You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Tony Meyer. For more information on other LifePoint Church resources, please visit www.livethemessage.org. Over the past 90 days or so, we've been in um, the series on Pastor Drew's book, um, Discovering the Power of Prayer. And if you've not yet received a copy of that book, you can go out in, into the lobby later at the Welcome Center and, and get a, pick up a, a copy of that book for free. If someone tries to charge you, just, just take it and run away. Uh, <clears throat> don't fall for it. Um, that's free of charge for you. But this morning, we're concluding this series. And I know uh, if you're like me, I've just so enjoyed um, this, this series and going through this book, each chapter by chapter, and just really unpacking what God says about the place of prayer. And this morning, we're kind of kind of come full circle and, 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 and finish off where we started that with this truth, truth number 12, that everyone can have a secret place of prayer. Everyone can have a secret place of prayer. Gone are the days where we wait for someone else to share with us what God is saying and that there's a prophet that we wait and hear, wait for them to hear from God. But each one of us, every single one of us can go into that secret place and we can hear what God has to say for our lives. And I don't know about you, but that's good news. And so with that being said, we know that God desires intimacy of relationship with us. God desires intimacy of relationship and we don't have to go any further than the cross to know that. Because there was this great barrier of sin that separated us from God. And through Jesus' Jesus work on the cross, he destroyed that barrier of sin that was keeping us from the Lord. And now we can come to God and we can have face-to-face relationship with him. And we can speak to him and he can speak to us. And so if you're ever doubting God's love for you, you don't have to look any further than Jesus Going to the cross and giving his life freely for you, being humiliated, being brutalized in front of his friends and his family, hanging naked on a cross. And he gave his life freely for love so that you and I could have a relationship with him so that in that place of relationship, God can empower and equip us to go out and change this world. That is good news. That is the gospel. And so this morning, we're going to unpack what that means a little bit more. Um, you know, when I first gave my life to the Lord, eh, that was about 15 years ago. And uh, like, like Joe was saying, it, that, that God had freed him from stuff. You know, uh, 14 years ago, Jesus freed me from addictions, uh, from alcoholism and, and drug abuse and um, suicidal thoughts and depression. Amen. God is good. <laughs> He's really, really good. Um, but, you know, it's easy for us as believers, if we don't live our life out of relationship with God, all of a sudden to enter into this place of striving and a ritual and just going through the motion and checking things off a list. And I remember early on in my walk with the Lord, I was, moving, I was going through the book of Matthew, and I came to Matthew chapter 7. And in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, there was this just very, uh, for me, it was a disheartening portion of Scripture. It was, I read it, and I was very discouraged, <laughs> And so a lot of times if we, if we come to a portion of Scripture that doesn't seem to make sense to us or seems contradictory, it's important that we look a little further into what it means because Jesus, we've got to remember, was talking to first century Jews and not everything translates to our day. And so we have to, think, we have to look a little deeper as to what he's saying. And so uh, usually a, a Google search isn't the best way to do that, but if you need uh, any good resources, good concordances or con- commentary, um, I'd love to, to give you resources to do that. But I read this portion of scripture in verse 21, and it said this of chapter 7 in Matthew. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. 
Many will say to you on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I remember reading this portion of scripture, and I think, oh my goodness, these guys are prophesying. These guys are casting out demons. They're doing many wonders, not just one. They're doing many wonders, and they don't make it. What's a guy like me? How am I going to make it? And so as I began to look deeper into it, it became clear what Jesus was really saying. We, we see here that it says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. That word knew is not just like know your name or know who you are. The word new in the Greek is gnosko, and it means to intimately know like a husband knows a wife. It speaks of covenant. It speaks of complete transparency and vulnerability. It speaks of uh, of consistency and stability and, and, and committedness. That which comes through a covenant relationship, through intimacy. And so all of a sudden it Jesus is saying, oh, you know what? I'm glad that you're doing all those things, but it's not about what you're doing for me. It's, do you know me, and do I know you? And out of that, everything else flows. And out of that, everything else flows. And so he desires this closeness with us, this intimacy. He gave it all for us so that we could have intimacy. And you know what? Each one of us, we have a history with God. We have a story with him. And you know what? I can't, I can't impart my history with God to you. And you can't impart yours to me. We can share, and I love hearing stories. I love hearing your stories. I love hearing people hearing uh, uh, their testimonies of faith and, and how God has, has done things in their life. But you have to have your own walk with the Lord. You have to hear the voice of God for yourself. And I can't do that for you. No pastor can do that. No book can do that for you. No podcast can do that for you. There's, there's, this, there's this longing that, that every person has in their spirit to go into the deep places where God is. And that is where he's calling us to. And so for me, I'm like, man, that's awesome. Great. So how do I do that? And the good news is is that Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, he tells us really specifically how to do that. I love that. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 6. This has been just such a, uh, this chapter, actually Matthew 5, 6, and 7, have just been so formative in my life as a a believer. Um, You know, there's some parables that you read and that, that Jesus says and you're like, I don't know what you're talking about, Jesus, at all. That doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, but then there's times like Matthew chapter 6 where he makes it so plain that even a, someone who's not very smart like me can understand it very easily. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus starts out talking about giving. And he talks about when you give, don't, uh, don't do it like every, so everyone can see you. Don't, don't uh, advertise it to everybody how much you're giving and then he goes from giving right into prayer, and that's a pretty interesting uh, partnership there that he has, that he, the connection that he has. But in verse 5, he says, and when you, not if you, but when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by, by men. And assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in the secret reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the Gentiles do, for they, love, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. So Jesus starts out with this contrast, and he says, first of all, he says, when you pray. He's not 
he's not hoping that you'll pray. He's like, as a follower of Jesus, as a, as a believer, when you pray, he says, don't be like the hypocrites. And Jesus, you know, is so loving, right? But there's the times where Jesus gets upset. Who does he get upset with? It's the hypocrites. If you want to see Jesus unload, just go to Matthew 23 and see the seven woes of the Pharisees, and he just rips them. <laughs> he lets them have it. But he says, don't be like the hypocrites. They love, they love that place of, of, in the synagogue, standing up in front of everybody, and they love uh, everybody hearing their long and very uh, uh, eloquent prayers. They love being seen by people. And this word reward is used twice in this portion of scripture. In the English, it seems like it's the same, but actually in the Greek, they're two different words. And the first one here is mesthos. And, and basically what this word means is what you see is what you get. So he says they have their reward. What you see is what they get. What their hearts really wanted all along was to be seen and known and, lo and, and the, the love and, and praise of man. And that's what they get. This shallow, vain existence, that is their reward. And so I want you to note, it's not, he's not saying it's bad to pray in public or so other people hear, but he's all about the motivation. We look in chapter Matthew 5 and in 6, he speaks a lot to the heart and about what our motivations are. So then he makes the contrast. And we're, gonna, we're just going to kind of break these down a little bit because I think there's some things specifically here that, that, are, that will be key to us understanding this today. In verse 6, but he says, you, when you pray, go to your room. So Jesus is actually speaking specifically, in those days they would have a storeroom, which was like, a, or, 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 or a secret room in their house where they would keep their prized possessions, where they would keep their most important things. So really, he's not speaking about a, necessarily a physical place, like you need a specific prayer room in your house. That's awesome if you have that. But what he's really talking about, he's like, go with this expectation that when you go into this, this storeroom, you're going to go there with this expectation that you're going to find something valuable, that you're going to find something important. And so when you go to that place, that secret place with the Lord, you go with this expectation that there's something valuable here for me. There's treasure that I'm going to walk out of here with that's going to feed my soul. And he speaks so much of expectation that, God, you're going to hear me when I pray. And, Lord, uh, I'm going to hear from you. I don't know about you, but there's times in my life where I need to hear the voice of God. I need, there's nothing else that's going to do but hearing the voice of God in my life. And so there's this expectation. And like Pastor has been saying, prayer is not passive. It's, and it's not this thing that we do when everything else fails, even though that's what happens a lot in our lives. Prayer is this place of action that we go to do battle. And it's that, go, that place that we go, and we go into the deep places with God, and God shows us who he is. There's this old um, sermon by uh, Carter Conlon. He's the pastor that came after uh, David Wilkerson. And he talks, he talks in this, this sermon about, um, about the heart of God being like a mine. And that there's people, there, there's those of us that, that go into the heart of God or go into this mine and they, they dig and they, they, they get out treasures and they get gold refined in the fire and they come out and with their bags full. But then there's some that are unwilling to go in 
And they wait outside the mouth of the mine, and they're hoping to maybe pick up this table, the scraps from everybody else. Or they're hoping that somebody will, will fill their bags for them. When the mine is open for them to go in and, and dig for themselves. Like I said earlier, no one else can go to this place for you. It's a responsibility of every one of us to go into that secret place with God, and God gives us the treasures of his kingdom. And again, I, I'm not again, I, I listen to podcasts all the time. I read lots of books. I love them. But nothing can supplement that. Nothing can supplement that. You going into that place and you having communion with God in that time. We have this expectation that God wants to, to speak to me. We also have this expectation that this is where we go to do battle. Not against God, but with God. That this is a place where the, the, the tides were, will turn in situations like life where I'm going to bring the difficult things of life and I'm going to contend for them and God is going to change the situation. Like we just prayed earlier. We're not just praying so we can feel better for this little, this little boy who is struggling for life. We're praying because we believe that God can change the situation. And so we go with this expectation that God, there's no other answer but you. There's no other answer but you. This is where the tide turns. A number of years ago, um, I have this, I have, he's still my friend. His name is Dave, and he, share, he lets me share this story, even though it's not super flattering to him. But when he, he was younger, he uh, had a girlfriend, and uh, he started dating her, and she was quite a bit older than him. And uh, it just turned out to not be a good thing. You know, you have two people that are really, really awesome people, apart from each other, and then they get together, and it's just kind of a toxic mix, right? That's just kind of was the situation. And so Dave started dating this girl, and uh, it seemed like a really great thing, but then very quickly it turned out to be bad, and Dave just started changing. And he was always this, like, super on honest person, uh, super true to his word, um, just a pure-hearted guy. And all of a sudden he started lying about things and flaking out on commitments that he had um, and just changing into a different person. And so as a friend... Um, it's concerning, and so you, you talk, talk to them about it, and more than just like when you're, you know, a young man, you're like, bro, you never hang out with me anymore, you're always hanging out with your girlfriend, what's the problem? Not like that, but it was like I was seriously concerned because he was changing, something was different about Dave. So his mom, his brother talked to him about it, I talked to him, and he just didn't listen. I've heard it's called uh, cupidity, or <laughs> just an un, you just can't see, you have the heart or covering your eyes and you can't see anything. He told me one time that that one time he surprised her with the tickets to her favorite band. And he took her, and they were on their way. It was about an hour and a half drive. And on the way, she pulled out a notepad, and she had a list of all the things that he was doing wrong in the relationship. And I said, man, wow, I am a gracious person, but I would have dropped her off at the next rest area. <laughs> he didn't do that, though. And you know, there's these times where words just fall short, Things that we have to offer fall so short. And so I was like, you know what, God, I'm just, I'm just going to start to pray and I'm going to fast for my friend. And so Monday I started praying and fasting for my friend. And I prayed, God, I pray that uh, you just help Dave to see. And if this is the right thing, then it's the right thing. And as I began to pray, I just saw so vividly in my mind. I saw Dave and there was something over his eyes and he just couldn't get it off his eyes. And he's, he's, he's grasping at his eyes and he couldn't get it off. And I, so I started to pray. I said, God, take the blinders off Dave's eyes. Take the blinders off his eyes. The next morning I came and I began to pray again. I said, God, just take the blinders off Dave's eyes. Wednesday, Thursday. Finally, Friday morning came. 
And I said, God, I pray you take the blinders off Dave's eyes. And the Lord, I felt the Lord say, you don't need to pray about that anymore. And so I thought, okay, awesome. And so that night, Dave and I, we were going to go out and get some steaks. And I wasn't sure he was going to even show up. And that time I was single and I had my own apartment and the door was always unlocked and I had just gotten out of the shower and Dave busts into my apartment and I was like, hey. And he said, Tony, Tony, I, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for everything that's happened. I, I just broke up with my girlfriend and it was like there's been blinders over my eyes. And it's not saying she was a bad, an evil person and he wasn't, it was just a bad situation. You know, it's in that place of prayer where we go with expectations that we say, God, I'm, gonna, I'm here to do battle. I'm here to contend for my, my spouse. I'm here to contend for my son or daughter. I'm here to contend for my friend, my family members, my parents. And it's in that place that prayer is action. It's not passivity. So Jesus is speaking. He said, go to this place, this, this, this special place in your heart where you go with this expectation. And then he says this. He says, and when you're there, go, shut the door. Shut the door. I believe Jesus is talking about being intentional. We go with expectation, but we also go and we say we're intentional about getting alone with him. You know, as you get older, I think every season of our life, we hope that the next season's not going to be as busy as this one. And we always fool ourselves, but it's not true. Every season is busy in a different way. And we all have the same amount of hours, right? But it's what we do with our time, and we have to start getting creative with our time. We have to start making specific pockets of time and being disciplined and being intentional. That means sometimes shutting off the noise in our life, turning off our phone, turning off the TV. You know, there's been seasons in my life where I've been like, God, I really need to hear from you. So just in this season, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get rid of our, we're, we're going to get rid of our TV. And we got rid of our TV for a while. There's been times where I, I said, oh, you know what, this social media thing is just, it's just bringing me down. I'm going to get rid of social media, and I'm not going to announce it to everybody first. But we have seasons where we're saying, God, I'm, I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to be serious. I'm going to show you that I'm serious, that I need to hear your voice. I need to hear your voice. It's like, uh, you know, I have close friends. I've had close friends for, uh, that I've stayed in contact, even though we haven't lived in close proximity with each other and you have to get creative with friends if they're important to you as you get older and your time is less your own and you have to get creative so you find those little pockets of time in your car to call them on the phone or you you make a special weekend to go go hang out as a family with those people if it's important to you and so if we have this expectation in your heart that god you're going to move you're going to do something then i need to be intentional about making that happen And God is not impressed with our discipline, but it's in that discipline that God speaks in those moments that we give to him. Duncan Campbell, uh, the revivalist, he says this. He says, the prayer life must be fought for. Everything will militate against it. The world with its pressures and speed will give us no time. The flesh with its appetites and weakness will rob us of concentration. Satan will concentrate his subtle, subtle powers to contend every inch of the prayer route. The tide of battle turns in the closet. This is where the real warfare is accomplished. It is there that Satan is served with the authoritative notice to quit. This is where the tide turns in that place of prayer, and we need to be intentional about it. And so for your own life, whatever that looks like right now, I encourage you, Get creative. Be intentional about when, when is my time. If that means you have to get up early and sacrifice sleep, Maybe you go to bed an hour earlier, or if you're going to stay up an hour, whatever it is, and there's not a specific amount of time that God is impressed with. 
But finding those times where it's like connecting with God. I'm going to connect with God. So then Jesus says this. So when you shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in the secret will reward you openly. Openly means openly. So it means like it's, it'll be plain to see. It'll be plain to see for you. It'll be plain to see every, with everybody else around you. And the reward here is a different word than we read earlier. The reward here, it means to give or restore things promised in a covenant. To give or restore things promised in a covenant. And this is a very different thing. And we can talk about the rewards of the coming life, which he is also talking about, but also the rewards that we experience right now in this moment, the here and now. And listen, the significance of any reward depends completely upon the character of the one giving it. The significance of any reward depends completely on the character of the one giving it. And as far as character is concerned with God, he is unmatched. He is unmatched. He is completely perfect in every single way. His goodness goes beyond our greatest idea or understanding of what goodness is on this earth. His faithfulness is something that we can rest and build our lives upon. His love is deep, and his love is true, and his love is strong. His grace can go down into the deepest pit and pick us up and put us on the solid ground. He is unending. He is unsearchable. He is unchanging. And so when we talk about rewards, it's more of him. We go to that secret place, and God, he gives us more of him. And that is my reward. And I don't know about you, but I just want more of him in my life. I want more of him and less of me. Every single day, I want to say, God, less of me. Just crucify that flesh in me and give me more of you, God. Give me more of you. My reward is you. And God will give you as much of him as you want. And so that's why I say, God, just turn on the fire hose and give me all of you, God. A few, a few years ago, about four years ago, Kayla and I found ourselves in, um, I'm just gonna be vulnerable with you this morning, that's all right. So if you wanna leave, now's the time. Worship team, you can come back. About four years ago, uh, Keel and I, we found ourselves in a place of unhealth in ministry, unhealth in marriage, just struggling and hurting. We had gone to plant and pioneer Chi Alpha at the University of Iowa and found ourselves just feeling very burnt out, and like I said, just hurting. And it became very evident what, the, what needed to happen was we needed to step away from ministry for a time. So for people that were just so gung-ho about coming and planting, it was an embarrassing time, a discouraging time, and an incredible time of pruning. And we can all talk about how <laughs> we want to be pruned until we get pruned. <laughs> and God starts cutting these things out of your life that maybe you've grown pretty attached to and they're not even necessarily bad things, but they're just things that he doesn't want in your life right then. So I remember one morning, I'm, I'm saying, God, 
I don't understand what's going on. This was not the plan. I've made mistakes, big mistakes. And right now I feel like I'm in a place where I don't even know who I am. You see, when I gave my life to the Lord when I was 20, about six months later, I, I started leading worship with our, with our college ministry. And then from then on, I was like the right-hand man to our pastor. And so like salvation and ministry were always like side by side. And so now that ministry was out of my life, I felt like I had no idea who I was. What does my life look like without that? And I remember crying out to God, Lord, I don't know who I am. Who am I? And I want you to know there's two things that God always has something to say about. The first is who he is. And ask him, say, God, who are you? And he'll tell you. The second is, it's who you are in him. And so I begin to say, God, who am I? Who am I? And I'm on my face before him, crying out in this place of complete transparency and vulnerability and say, God, who am I? And God spoke one word, three letters, one word. That changed my life. He said, son. And I, I'm being honest with you, I was really annoyed in that moment because I, needed, I felt like I needed something more. I said, son, yeah, God, I get that. I know that. I preach it. We're sons. We're daughters. But again, son. And I realized I knew it up here, but I didn't know it here. I said, Tony, not... Not Pastor Tony, not Husband Tony, not Father Tony, Son. And out of that flows everything else. And God began to recalibrate my entire life, reprioritize my whole life. I realized all my priorities were out of whack. I realized I was focused so much on the doing, I wasn't worried about who I was becoming. So I said, God, what do I do? And he gave me these four things. He said, Tony, I want you to focus your life on these four things. He said, Tony, I want you to wake up every single day and I want you to, to say, God, show me who you are today. I want to know you a little bit more today. Even if it's just a tiny bit, I want to know you more today. The second thing was, is that my wife, she needed to know that I loved her beyond a shadow of a doubt. There would be a doubt in her mind because honestly, there were days before that and I'm not sure she could have said that. So I said, from this day on, she's going to know every single day. The third thing was the same with my children. They were going to know. And God wasn't calling me to sacrifice my family on the altar of ministry. And the fourth thing was this, is that I'm going to be an influence. And I thought, okay, God, I think I can do that with your help. And so at that time, I was working at this car mechanic shop where people are angry all, the, all day. Everyone is all, always angry. They run into a curb and their control arm is bent and it's my fault. I don't, and then the mechanics and everybody else is angry all the time. And so every day I would go to this job and I did not like this job and I worked 12 hours, six days a week and I would say, God, help me be an influence today. Help me be an influence today. When everyone else is angry and shouting, help me be the gentle, strong voice. Help me be an influence, and I was. That was four years ago, and those people still call me and text me. Listen, in that secret place with God, there's just, there can be one word 
that changes the trajectory of your life, that can reformulate the entire, uh, 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 the entirety of your life. And if we would just be intentional about it, if we would just expect God to speak to us, that God has given you the ability to hear from him and, and, and he's going to speak to you, it can change everything. And, and listen, I believe in this church, God has something very unique and, and special. We've only been here about a month and a half, and I've just felt it this whole time we've been here, that God is preparing us for something amazing. Not so that we can just say, wow, we have such a great church, and it's so big. Wow, look how many people we jam into a room on Sundays. Not that, but this is a church that's going to change the world, that, that is going to change this, this city. But it starts with each one of us personally. Revival starts in our own heart. And I believe that God is giving us a season of preparation to get our own house in order so that he can use us because I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss it because I was, I was distracted or I was too caught up in my own thing. And God wants to use your life. He unbounds. He says this, and we're going to close. He says, what the church needs today is not more machinery or programs, not new organizations or more novel methods but people whom the Holy Spirit can use, people of prayer, people mighty in prayer. The Holy Spirit does not flow through methods, but people. He does not come upon machinery, but people. He does not anoint plans, but people, people of prayer. Would you stand across this room this morning? One of the things I love about the Holy Spirit, it's a love, dislike thing, is that he points out areas in us that aren't pleasing, and it's uncomfortable at times, but when we go, when we follow the conviction of God, it always leads us someplace better, and it's not a place of condemnation that leads to death, but it's a place of conviction that leads us to life, and so this morning, we're going to have this moment, I'm just going to, we're just going to be silent for the next moment, and we're going to allow God just to speak to us, and just bring to the surface any area, maybe you've been holding back, or any area of complacency, or laziness, and God's going to bring it to the surface, and when he does that, we're going to just submit it, and surrender it to him, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to close, so just do that, Lord, I pray right now, you just bring to the surface anything that's not pleasing to you, Anything that's holding us back, anything that's hindering, we just toss it aside now in Jesus' name. Lord, just bring it to the surface. Speak so clearly now. junk and then you don't just leave a vacuum there but you replace it with 
more of who you are, your joy, your love, your patience, your kindness, your goodness. Lord, we just ask for more of that in Jesus' name now. Lord, we want to be used by you in a mighty way. God, we want to know you. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information about LifePoint Church, please visit www.livethemessage.org.